Today, I got Chris Tran from Little Saigon Official here with me tonight. Thanks for driving out to see me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. How did you get started with this Little Saigon Official idea? This has been brewing in my mind and hearts for a long, long time. Meaning, uh, just a step back, I, I came here in 1975, California in 1976. Little Saigon didn't even, wasn't even a name until like the late 80s. So we didn't even refer to this as Little Saigon. But now, fast forward where we are today, that's our identity. So if I said Little Saigon, automatically they know Vietnamese. I found that as to be the, and I go, if we have an identifier, let it be that. Do I want my identifier to be coffee, bun mì, pho, or the Vietnam War? Little Saigon did it for me. Yeah, it's all of that actually, yes. right? It's all that wrapped into whatever story you want it to be, the, the origin story to come yeah. from. But, but you know, the crazy thing is, I don't think we've always been proud about this idea of Little Saigon and the community of Little Saigon in Orange County. It, that, I don't think that's always been something that was a positive thing to be branded. Absolutely. So the timing has to be now. If you're talking 80s, 90s, even 2000s, no. I knew more people that was ashamed of to say yeah, that from absolutely. Westminster, Garden Grove, Orange County. And and it's absolutely true, and you're right. Because even recently right now, like um, let's say South County versus North County. I'll just leave it at that. You know what I mean? Two different attitudes, but yet share the same culture in a whole different way. And we're only miles apart. And you can see that. Yeah, it's a it's a nuance, right? North County, South County, Orange County. It's crazy if you think about it. But 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 what does that say? That that really talks about this idea of people who come a little later and or what is, or is it a class thing? Well, let's go back to this. If you lived in an apartment all your life, you want to get a house. After you get a house, you want a, a bigger you want a bigger better place. Yes, yeah. you know, yeah, of course we strive for the best, right? So the people that made it out of looks like you know, let's say Orange County the Little Saigon area. Remember, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it was called Santa Ana. I don't care where you came from, I'm going to Santa Ana. Yeah, all the parents were like, Di Santa Ana. Yeah, I don't care, you're from New Orleans, you're going to Santa Ana. You come from the Bay, you're going to Santa Ana, right? Yeah. So the stigma of Santa Ana being so, you know, not a desirable place to be. You want to get out of Santa Ana. But the irony is, Little Saigon is not in Santa Ana. But it started there. It started there. Yes. Yeah, it started there. All the Vietnamese people lived in Santa, Santa Ana. Ana. Yes. And then it like moved. It blossomed it out. It blossomed out into Garden Grove, Westminster, but it started in Santa Ana. Somehow, you know, Westminster was smart enough to be more friendlier to, the, to that than Santa Ana and the other cities. Ah. Even though... So it's government. The government of, of Santa Ana wasn't as smart as... Well, let's call it Tolerance. Okay, because remember, we were the, the influx in the 70s and 80s to Santa Ana because they're just dropping us off. Let's find a place for them. Okay, so resettlement. How do you resettle? You're not going to put it in Huntington Beach and Fountain Valley, are you? Okay, if you were running the government in the 70s and now a bunch of immigrants are coming over, they're going to need all the government assistance they can get. They're going to need charity help, drives, clothing, food, housing, everything. Now they're going to 
have to have a place for shelter, where are you going to put them? Even today, where would you put them? First thing on everybody's mind that live in Orange County, Santa Ana. Why? Why Santa Ana? Because that was known as the poor area. Ah. That was known as the lowest income area. The, you know, so if you think about where all the immigrants ever started, it's always in yeah. the low. Nobody gets moved to Beverly Hills. And then they got, they got more successful and then they moved towards Garden Grove, little, uh, uh, Westminster, Fountain Valley. But then all of that became what's now today known as Little Saigon and not Santa Ana. Yes. So the street Westminster means a lot. Westminster, 1st Street, 17th Street. So so give you people that is not from this area, 1st um, Street is Bolsa. 17th Street is Westminster. But we've never referred to, let's go to 1st Street and 17th Street. Yeah. Because that's hood. Right or wrong? Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. But for 20 damn years, this was Santa Ana. Okay. Sure, it's gotten erased, not talked about, and nobody brings it up. Because why? Come on, when's the last time you said, let's go to Santa Ana for any fucking reason? Yeah, yeah. Except to do paperwork for the government, <laughs> get a permit. But other than that, you have any reason to go to Santa Ana? You know, believe it or not, the, the Frida and all of that rejuvenation of that neighborhood has been coming back and, you know, the Viet Film Festival and all of these things are starting to... But, but you're right, there's a... There's a deep Hispanic population that's in that area. Yes, and now what Santa Ana is now championing the arts. Yeah, right. That's the big thing. And that's been going on for what, 25 years? Oh, really? Yeah. Think about when they started that art district, okay, when they start building those condos with the lofts. That was the first entry in trying to change the, the look and feel of Santa Ana. To this day, you know, it, it hasn't been easy for Santa Ana. They're always the one being stepped on. Even though they run everything. Even though the Vietnamese community came from Santa Ana. Exactly. Pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. And, and then they go from there to, to all of these Garden Grove, Westminster, and then Fountain Valley, then Costa Mesa, Huntington then, Beach. then Huntington Beach, Irvine. Bro, you ask anybody in the 80s, like, oh, who lives in Huntington Beach? Yeah, it's all the rich and white. And there's a few Vietnamese that lived there since the 80s. Yeah. I but met the, a few. But there's a lot of Vietnamese people living in Huntington Beach now. Now, yeah. yeah they, made, they made it. Yeah, like I said, you got to get out of the area that you did not. But it's only a, it's several blocks away. It's crazy if you think about it. It's just several blocks towards the beach, and that's like that in any neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, you go from you turn one corner, it's like what the fuck? Cash checking everywhere. You turn the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so what gave you the idea now to start a brand? with the word Little Saigon in it. I mean, there's Little Saigons everywhere, right? Yes. But why why Little Saigon? Because I've been to it majority of every Chinatown. And we have a distinct opportunity to be Chinatown. With, in any given area, a couple nail shops, you know, restaurants and things that provide goods for our community becomes a Little Saigon. They can name it whatever they want, you know what I mean? But to me, it's like now, the our version of Chinatown, where the community comes, they do, they have their own little cottage industry. We provide for ourselves. When things can't get done, there's now providing a service that can get done. So even like from here, you know, you need a construction guy, you need a, a translator, you need a doctor, you need what are, who are you comfortable doing business with. Versus, you know, is that the right value? Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. But and let's go talk to this Vietnamese guy. You know what I mean? 
you always get it done for a lot cheaper with and, a Vietnamese guy. Exactly. But now, is it to, to the standard? No. You get what you pay for. <laughs> but there's absolute value there. Okay? Because sometimes, hey, man, it's, it's I'm not trying to demean our people, you know, but they do provide a value. And that's what all these pockets did. Why pay the full price when, you know, you got a hookup? I would say, okay, so let's go back. Take, take me back to, like, the inception of your brand. It's, it's an identifier, okay? And the inception is I have the, now I have the means to do it. I mean, not by financial. But the know, leverage. The leverage. Different the people source, you know. Yes. Yeah. When I had spoken to them about, like, what I wanted to do, and they gave me an opportunity to do it. And I Who's grabbed, they? I have a, buck, a couple backers that uh, I work for in the industry where I work for the toy industry. Ah, and makes they're, sense. They're manufacturers. We build brands for other people. I don't, I'm not part of the brand building, but I see the building mm. blocks of it. I see the department heads. I see people doing this and that. It's like I've always wanted that for our community. And I never saw a branded good in our community, meaning like a keychain, a decent T-shirt, a hat, a postcard. We don't even have a fucking postcard. And yet we have right. all these picturesque things that we do. We have all this culture. Yeah, you think about Paris or you think about all these Hawaii places in the world and you see postcards, you see branding of these places. places okay. And I go, did we really get complacent about this? No, I don't think we got complacent. I just don't think that we were ever proud of it. Then, then I was always been proud of it. And if I can now show the pride in a way where now other people can come back to it and not shame them for, for leaving for whatever reason they did. I know a lot of people have left this area, you know, from the 80s, 90s. But, but when I think about the appeal that you bring, I think about like the people from like New Orleans, people from Chicago, people from Paris, people from like out of town. Uh-huh. And they come in and they're like, oh shit, this is the little Saigon we've always heard about. And I think that sort of captures the spirit of what you're doing right now with the brand. Yes, because, you know, a lot of people have told me, you know, we don't have a culture. And I totally disagree. When back in the 80s, when when you go to travel and you say you're from Santa Ana, it carried. You're like, people paid attention. So Little Saigon, Orange County, our has been always been a mystery, something that has never visited. They've heard it their whole life. They've seen videos. Yeah. They do. They heard stories, but now they get to come and see. And I don't know what their expectations are, and I don't know what they're. Re, you know, I've never asked what's your thoughts, but like people are, are genuinely excited. Yeah, because you know, Paris by Night is centered in Little Saigon. Asia Entertainment centered in Little Saigon. Fuglotas, you know, all of these amazing restaurants are in Little Saigon. All, all the things that you can think of, mm-hmm. the biggest population outside of Vietnam is in Little Orange County, County, Little Saigon. Absolutely. And how can you not capture that, package it, and present it to the world? Okay, so then that's your thought. And then so what gave you the impetus to step off and go, I'm going to create a brand to recognize this culture? Because I was looking to, for something as a gift to buy, even to reference, I searched on the internet, Etsy, you name it, you know what I mean, Pinterest. And the things that were coming out did not represent how I lived there. It did not showcase even aesthetically, you know, by the fonts, the art, the placement of things that represent that core 
area how I grew up. Yeah. How things were done, how the attitudes were, how the pivoting, the, the conflicts, the drama that built what we are was not translated right. And will I offer another view? Absolutely. Is it the correct view? No, it's the only view I know. Yeah, your view. My view. So is it wrong? Does it resonate with certain people? That's, I don't know that. I could just only do it and put it out there and see what happens. So sometimes you just, like they said, just throw it against the wall, see what happens. You know what I mean, right? But I've seen what other people, is very pretty, very, you know, but it just didn't resonate with me. So, so if you think about like the brand servicing multiple categories, right? Like you think there's the gangster groups, there's the hip hop groups, there's the uh, successful Vietnamese groups, there's the people who are, you know, educated or there's so many different types of categories. What did you do and think of to get to the categories that you have developed? How did you arrive at the branding that you have arrived at with Little Saigon Official? Well, I've always felt there was an un, un, underserved category, the subculture of Little Saigon, the unspoken stuff. T tell me about that. Can you describe that subculture? Well, let's talk about New Wave, okay? We all came here as, you know, model minorities, let's call that. New Wave gave them a way of being rebels. Let, let, let me clear something up. New Wave was the rebels. Those are the gangsters. Let's just, back in the day, when you saw a person dressing New Wave, banging New Wave, they were the outlaws, the outcasts, and the people who ain't conforming to shit. Okay, they're not listening to Kalung. They're not parting their hair to fucking in the middle, having a bowl cut. They're spiking it, bleaching it. They're different. They're different. And they're going to go out and look different. Everybody knows they're different. And they were even frowned upon by their community. Right? Okay. Music translated differently. So hard to even imagine that that was because you know all of these like successful people party at the circle on New Wave Night. These are all successful people in the community going to New Wave Night today because they 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 felt a connection because they they they've seen the New Wave movement when they were growing teenagers. up how they were teenagers. I don't care you know, and they see the guys in their their Celica, Supras, Datsuns, mini trucks, you name it. Okay. How, how did we get to America in 1975? And by 85, we were riding lowriders, bumping music, you know, our hair spiked, bleach, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, 10 years is not a long time to acclimate and all of a sudden now find your own identifiable style. Get the fuck out of here. So that subculture is New Wave, and you want to talk more about that, or are there other subcultures in well, that, that subset? That was, that was the, the, the entryway, springboard, gateway, whatever you want to call it, okay, and where people found their a way to be what they want to be. And they didn't know what they wanted it to be. You know, and everybody tells you to be a doctor, lawyer, this and that, and that's the pressure. Go to school, be a good fucking citizen. You know, don't treat your host uh, country as, as a good guest. Don't disrupt shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, but sometimes, you know, you gotta fucking disrupt a little shit, you know what I mean? I, I think the disruption came from, you know, uh, I talked to this one um professor out of chicago and she was she grew up in little saigon her family had a pool hall and she was breaking it down <laughs> kimberly k wong 
um, she was breaking it down. She was saying that imagine all these young men were sent out of Vietnam because their families didn't want them to be in war or be of age to go and and fight in wars that that their families didn't believe in. So they migrated or they sent their kids out and a lot of the boys came here without families mm-hmm. and they didn't have the love and that that was the generation of the 90s where all these gangbangers came from because they had to break up their families and come here and not be with families of their own that that could be one part of it i agree but to you, that but you came with a full set of pet mom and dad didn't you i came with the whole cousin the but, whole damn village but came. you derailed or you lived a life that was in the rebel world in in the new wave era and you did you didn't identify with the button up set you came from a loving family well i don't know if you came from a loving family. oh yeah i love love yeah. loving family yeah absolutely but, but then we didn't live that way well i came here when i was two so by the time I can actually like understand anything, I was like, again, these guys are now driving nice cars and not nice cars. Yeah, but, but nice like car, like hip cars. At yeah, the time. it wasn't yeah. a Camry. No, no, yeah, you no, know, no. it wasn't like you know. And the best you your family can buy was a Cressida. Yeah, right. But you know they're buying dots and five tens. Yeah, Celica, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And they're putting, you know, their house speakers in yeah. there. I'm I'm growing up. Now they're playing new wave. They're DJing. Okay. And this is like maybe 86 that I'm starting to see this stuff. I'm like, wow, this, you know, you're impressed by it. Like, wow, it's cool kid shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Let's just call that. I don't, I don't know if it's gangbanging shit. I just know it's cool kid shit, man. They're in the back of the church smoking, hair spiked up. Ain't nobody telling them what to do. Everybody's walking around them. You know what I mean? Like, but they stand out and they're like, okay, now what do I want to? Let me give you a little background. I was an altar boy. Me too. Okay. I served mass for what? Yep. Six, seven Ten years. years. Yep. Okay. So I, I, you know, these things I see. And did I kind of get curious about it? Absolutely. And wow, you know, you can do something different. Let it be good, bad. I don't know the difference. I'm a kid. I'm a fucking kid looking at all these, my uncles and stuff, like, you know, smoking, drinking. I'm, and, you know, that's just part of our life. We gamble every weekend, as a, even as a community. Our parents gambled. Our cousin came over to the house. You know what I mean? So like when the community was that small, there was one gathering place every weekend, one house or another, 30, 40 people in there cooking food. All the, you know, then by after dinner, everybody's gambling. Or, and the uncles and the crazy uncles in the backyard smoking. Yeah. Who, who hasn't seen that scenario? Like well, if you here. didn't grow up in, yeah, if you didn't grow up in that era, it was different. Yeah, because today's kids are you know it's a different era. Yeah, it's a different era. Well, it's a different time, and I and I get it because back then there wasn't that many things to do, and that we weren't comfortable in certain places, and we didn't fit in a lot of places. So we went to our cousin's house, our family house, family friend's house. Everybody and everybody cooked, ate, and gambled and drank. You know what I mean? Drank, yeah. <laughs> and I saw this kid. You know, the times where like smoke was in the house, in the car. You know, people smoking. You know, everywhere in the house. <laughs> Matter of fact, I lit cigarettes for my uncles and stuff. You know what I mean? He's like, here, you know, like, <laughs> so different times. But the camaraderie was, and the, the unity was there. Yeah. What, what, what other subculture-ish things did you witness and, and incorporate into the brand field today? If you, listen, I'm going back to the 80s. Vinnie's are now opening car stereo shops. Okay, they're oh, car accessory shops. Um, my first accessory shop, I, I was, I went to was my Chan. 
they were selling dash covers. I go, wow. Everybody who bought a car is so proud, right? I fucking bought a car. I have a car, right? It didn't matter if it was a piece of shit, it rolled. And all your friends piled in there. And so now there's accessorizing. First go up, it comes a dash cover. You know what I mean? Then yeah. car, the stereo was next, for sure. You know what I mean? And then we'll go back to the entertainment, but the stereo was very core to our life. Now, once you have the stereo, you want a better system and a better system. And then now, as years gone by, people provided that better system. Now, all of a sudden, we have a fucking car stereo culture. Come on. You ask anybody 40 and up, first thing they did was put a system in there. Yeah, car. definitely. Am I wrong? We were bumping all the jams. That's why we we're talking about music. Because why? We love fucking listening to music loud. Loud. Not in my ear. And if it's in my ear, it's loud. Okay? But back then, we didn't have good headphones. So we just bumped the system. So the subculture, I knew guys are award-winning fucking car stereo guys that built massive systems. You name it. It was in magazines, winning competition. This came out of Santa Ana. Yeah. Okay? There were, how, how many stereo shops do you see today in Bolsa, in, in Los Angeles? I don't know. I, I don't see any. Because why? Well, it's not even a thought. But there was a time when the stereo shop was the place. Yeah. The record shop was the place. Right? You went to Fukutop, buy a CD to put in your fucking car. So, so your brand then is really age-specific then, is it's, it? I want it to be a living timeline because if, you, if I want to capture the 80s, capture the 90s, the 2000s, and what we do moving forward and beyond, it has to be a moving timeline of progression. Yeah, because there's a lot of rave, Vietnamese rave kids now, right? Uh, that's like a big thing that, that replaced the stereo culture. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Every few generation every generation will have that next thing that they all do together. So how do you capture all of these generations, all these decades, five decades? It all comes down to one thing. Music. Shit. Okay. Okay, look at the like I said, New Wave gave us the thing to want better stereo. Hip hop came in. Alternative music. We still wanted to bump the system, right? In the 90s, gangster, all, all hip-hop all day. Okay, R&B here and there, because, you know, you want to, nah, nah. <laughs> you know, you want to rub you down. You're just kidding. <laughs> no, but you're see, not kidding. But, but, the truth. But the truth, right? We mack to music. There was a time where you got to grow to get in your car. You got to have the right fucking playlist. She sees that rack of CDs in your car. Oh, and hopefully... She doesn't borrow it for too long. But if she did, it's fine. Because why? I get to see her again because I'm going to try to get this fucker back. <laughs> right? How many, how, many, how many play this CDs have you lost? Mixtapes. Yeah, Mixtapes. Mixtapes, yeah. Right? We live by it. How many times you heard in the song in the car for an hour? Let me borrow this. Let me record this. Okay, so it goes back to, to music. Music. But, but your shop doesn't reflect music culture, does it? I don't know how to capture that. Mm. You you know who did hmm. back in the day was the CD shops in yes. Fukuoka. Yes, they absolutely they, did. They were the fucking best bootlegging mixtape motherfuckers around. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were. Okay, they, they, were. they did that. It's legendary. You went there because why? There was no SoundCloud, no Spotify. How do I get introduced to new music from Europe? The DJs from Europe and brought none, it in. None of that stuff was radio play. Mm -hmm. None of it. None of it. No, All no, that stuff that was on the trilogy CDs that, yeah, whoever did that, that's like... Never yeah. top 40. But in another country it was. Yeah. But we adopted, see? So it comes back to how do you find that next 
fucking jam. The jam that will fucking tell me my life is great right now. <laughs> because why? We You ever heard a song and it puts you back in that moment? Yeah, yeah. When you listen to all the new wave stuff... And let's let's really talk about this new wave. We're not talking about like Depeche Mode, The Cure, uh, Echo and the Bunnymen new wave. That's like that's different. alternative. It's still categorized as new right. wave, but that's not the new wave we talk about. That's no. not we're Euro disco, new Euro wave. disco, Italo disco. disco that's correct. a big distinction, and that's why the transition from that to trance to techno, future bass, trap. You know what I mean? There's a lineage there. Yes, but it all comes back to synth, you know, synthetic synth, music. Synth, yeah, synth music. Yes, what? there was no bands. Yeah. Okay, we didn't follow bands. We followed jams. What, what puts me in a place to... Correct? Because why we love to fucking party. What do we play? And every house, there's always that guy that hogs up the fucking, you know, he wants to play his tracks. But, but if you think about the older generation of that time too, it was about... Vietnamese music. That's that. The weird thing, it, it wasn't. It was really classic rock that we say it's classic rock. Mm. My uncles were playing. Yeah, you're right. Hotel uh, California. Hotel California. And my uncle's uncle, who I'm just kidding. <laughs> but before that, Simon Garfunkel. Yeah. You know I me, mean? the Bee Gees, you name it. Okay, I grew up with all that. And we just happened to, was put in the U.S. at the time when MTV was introduced exploding exploding we came in 75 mtv came out what 81 82 yep, yep yep in the 80s okay that changed everything so when people tell you what mtv did even for the vietnamese community it was fucking crazy i think to me the first new wave song was not the euro disco the first new wave song was thompson twins mm, interesting go look at a thompson track and look at and you you'll be very familiar with it Wow, that's such an interesting because they're right in the middle of it all. Yeah, right. They're they're not Depeche Mode, Cure, but then they're not like uh, Modern Talking. No, but they're kind of somewhere in between it all. Like that's why we 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 love soft melodic music. That's why we love Aha, Wham, you know, all the stuff that's it's not considered new wave, but it was to us. Yeah. Okay, so New Wave, it wasn't 100% all Euro Disco, it, Italian. Right. Okay, it was a collection of stuff we liked. Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys. Yeah. UB40 was still big for us. Pet Shop Boys, UB40, you, you name it. You know, I listened to Echo. I listened to Cure, Morrissey, the Smiths. Yep, yep. Okay, but that was alternative rock. But I was so confused in high school in the 90s. In the early 90s, I was like, this New Wave that... All these kids at school was talking about these other not Vietnamese kids were talking about new wave, and there I was like, no, that's not new wave. No, you know, see, that's again, it didn't have a. We made our own category. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Okay, because if you tell new wave to others, they don't. It's a whole different thing. A whole for them. different thing. Yeah. Okay, so Vietnamese version of Vietnamese news. I don't even know how we got to the the, the part where it was new wave. Okay, whoever titled that, dude, somebody got to come out and say I did this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who coined it? I don't know. I, I hope in Elizabeth I's new documentary, New Wave, that's hopefully coming out soon, they'll be breaking all that down, you know? I hope so too, because but but then again, it's it's coming from a perspective of singers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's different. It's different because it's, different. it's not new wave from like the historical uh bands. The origins of the origins of the word yeah. or how it, we adopted it. Yeah. This is more like her documentaries and I don't know much about it yet, but I don't uh, either. Yeah. 
But it's it's coming out. So yeah, but you're right. It's probably coming from the uh, perspective of the singers of Paris by Night, like Linda Changdai and stuff like okay, that. Okay, and I'm going to take it back to the guys in their cars and why we start loving music, why we put the stereo. New Wave, right? And again, they, they weren't singers. They just wanted to hear the stuff and now people got smart enough to start importing it in and making mixtapes. There was a, a few shops in, in, in Bolsa that was not even at Fugleta before. You go there, you pay a dollar, they, they, they make you a... They make you mix DVD tape. or mixtape. Back, yeah, back we didn't have DVDs yet. Back, back then, <laughs> God, really? Yeah, and then you, your family had a little money. You buy a a, a double cassette dub. Deck, yeah, yeah, and you, now you the make blanks, your own, yeah, make your own. You buy the cheap blanks or the good blanks. You remember? Yeah, Maxwell or, or yeah or, or Hi-Fi. Hi-Fi, yeah, <laughs> iPhonics. It's like this ooh. is crazy talking about this. Because you know why? Because like you know, after New Wave got popular, now the singers are emulating this. Yeah, they're looking at the street. Okay, so when you said did the street predict uh, cause the culture, or did the singers made the culture? Depends the street who- made the culture. Street made the culture because then the the singers were able to emulate the street. What was playing on the street? Then you had the Paris by Night people, Asian Asia Entertainment coming in to redo these songs with Asian faces. So it became a big thing. Yeah, because all these singers came from all over the United States. The States, yeah. Yeah. They, and they just came back to they, Little Saigon. They came to Little Saigon and recorded in their way. Yeah, and what was the loudest thing on the streets? These new wave guys bumping their system. They didn't give two shits, you know what I mean? Yeah. Loud and proud all day long. And I wonder how the copyright worked because... It was all this music from Europe coming into the 80s and they were just redoing the songs. Well, you know, again, mixtapes, I don't think they went after it. No, they couldn't go after mixtapes. But I mean, like, when you get a performer going on to record at Paris by Night, which is an official label using a song that was written and recorded elsewhere in Europe, because these bands didn't come from from America, they came from Europe. Yeah, that's uh, that's a whole different wow. conversation. It's a whole different you, podcast. Yeah, because like yeah, publication rights and yeah, licensing. Yeah. licensing. I don't think that existed. Damn. Okay, maybe that's why they don't exist now on a digital platform. Because why can they rebroadcast that? Mm. They probably get caught. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not a. They probably don't want that to come out. Because like all the Sandra, CC Catch, all yes. of the Gina T's Gina that T. came came out, like there were artists, Vietnamese artists that were recording that yes. music, and nobody, they, they all got away with it. Because now we call it a cover, correct? Yeah, but okay. you got to pay royalties for cover. Correct. So I'm not sure if they did or not. I'm not there. I don't. I don't own those labels. I don't run it. I don't. Never work there. So I can't tell you. I, but why do you think rap never crossed over to our community the way? European new wave crossed over into our community. It did. It did. It did. It's just again, um, our society frowned upon gangsters. Okay, and a lot, of, and that's what I mean by we went from new wave to hip hop. When when NWA came out, that was a game changer. But Vietnamese people could not emulate that NWA. You can't go in. No. Yeah, because it's just not us. It's not us. So we didn't have the flow. Our English was still broken. Everybody's still challenged by that. You know, it's like, yeah. And, you know, but did we love it? Absolutely. So how could it cross over? Because nobody else. There was a few guys that tried. It was very cringy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I'm not going to name no names. <laughs> Henry Chuk. 
Yeah, you didn't name names, but I could. I don't know him. I mean, I'm just saying that 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 was, you know, he did it. He he did it. He did it. And Tommy Ngo, Tommy Ngo did some rap. No, I don't know. I, I to be honest with you, I never listened to one track. Yeah, but they but but they had careers and they still have careers. They still go out into the different. I'd love to get one of those guys on, you know, and, and oh, yeah. hear what they thought. See, but is the career meaning like they're still booked at a Chinese restaurant, or is yeah, it, or is yeah. it a career as a, a singer in a in a platform that's like sellable to every other? Culture? No, it's just within casinos or within Chinese restaurants, and you know, they to, a, their... to a relatable audience. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but did it cross over to you? No, it never. It never. It, okay, will it ever? Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the thing. It just never resonated with you. Yeah. Nor me. Because why, yeah. you know, however it was, you know what I mean? Credit to them for even trying. Yeah. Credit to them for still having a career and, and doing it because I'm not the one. Yeah. And if they're the first and only, cool. Because like I said, you know, I, I love the music. I love the version of it, but like, I can't. So let's go to, how did you start your Instagram page? <laughs> Give me the story on that. Because which came first? Did the merch come first or did the, the Instagram? Because the Instagram page... I, I, I remember in the early days, you never even talk about merch. Yeah. I mean, that's, it was like strategic. I don't know what it was, but it was more about the culture. It was more about like all the subculture stuff that was happening. But you didn't really see nothing on merch. And I don't even know if you have merch on it now in terms... Because when I think about your merch, I think about that's a big part of the Little Saigon official store. It's a big part of the brand. But... I don't think that's how you built your Instagram page. No, because I I think I felt the culture was first before the merch. Mm, you built that first because people have to see what the culture is like before they see the merch. So what 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 went down in the building of it, the, the the inception of the Instagram page, and how do you go about picking the the content that that goes on it? It, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a day by day thing. There's no, you know, when I look at uh, social media managers, they have this whole list of things on the wall, yeah. what they're going to post. It's yeah. all strategic. It's all planned out. I, my partner to do that is Tuan and Sparkhouse. And I hired him to do it and, and, and telling him exactly, speaking with him like how I'm speaking with you about culture, what we went through. Let's live, preserve, let's showcase, let's highlight. Let's give the credit for some few amazing things that I just discovered. Because I'm discovering new and amazing people every day. And uh, I believe there should be a platform that even, like, you know, even, even more so accelerate that. Giving more views on, to other people. That When you say that, it makes me think, who came first? Subdoc or Little Saigon Official? <laughs> <laughs> I think Subdoc came first. Yeah, yeah, because when I think about Little Saigon and Subdoc, it's like synonymous, right? Like for me... Two of those brands are like, you know, it all of a sudden magically appeared onto the 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 <laughs> onto the uh, the world stage. I think I met you because of Subdoc. No, yeah, because he he was he was supposed to be your guest for a movie. You're right. Period. You're right. That's right. And he said, "Go meet my guy Ken," and because he couldn't make it. Yeah. You're right. So in some ways, that that's <laughs> had some kind of connection there. This, a little bit of six degrees right there. It's June 6, 2021. I wrote it down. Oh, yeah. So the in the, the Instagram page just, just started. Wow. 
I think at the time I met you, we had a couple hundred followers. And we just wanted to, like, again, you know, try to build a timeline of, of, of culture. It's just how we're speaking now. A lot of people didn't know if it wasn't for this, it wouldn't be that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and we wanted to show there was this before that. Do you guys honestly think it just appeared and these buildings are here? Yeah. People do amazing things because now, you know, their their kids, their nephews are doing amazing because why? The foundation was set. But yet nobody talked about the foundational part of it, the, the sacrifice, the guys that tried and failed. The guys that, you know, went at it, yes, you know, and couldn't make it make a career out of it, but yet somebody else picked up the pieces. So so who was the precursors to Subdoc and Little Saigon Official and FUDA culture? Like what do you see as the guys that were bearing the torch before you guys came on? Like Asian Never Die did it. Oh, you're right. Okay. I saw Time. them I mean when I saw start seeing Got Rice stuff, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, this is kinda cool. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out to Ty. Yeah, mm -hmm. so uh, when I that came on the radar, and there wasn't too much. There was a few handful of, of of people sharing this, and I don't believe there was many even content creators back then. Not even food bloggers. You're right. Yeah, and that's just like two three years ago, man. Yeah, it just blossomed, and you know, it. it I'm not gonna say it came out of nowhere because you look at certain people accounts been since 2012. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and. Yeah, and I looked at it, I was like, damn, nothing's, it's, Instagram's hard. <laughs> I'll just tell you that right now. But the, they, they did amazing things that should be shared and reshared and shared. Even though they're making content and there should be somebody saying, damn, check this out. Damn, check this out. Damn, check this out. Even as much as like, oh, it's, oh, it's on the internet. Everybody can see it. No, not everybody. That's why we share it because why? Even though it's old to, to, to us, it's new to them. Yeah. And so we should be sharing each other's stuff. And again, because the culture is interconnected like that. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's overlap, right? There's yes. There's a lot of overlap happening throughout our community. Major overlaps. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's starting to be more and more apparent. How do you like that? How do you feel about the overlap? I, like, I love it because there's overlap breeds new things. Breeds representation. Yes. And it builds an industry. Yeah. It builds a, a connectivity. Community. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's what we really, really need. I, to me, that's one of the core reasons why I want this to happen. What What's the overall sort of goal of Little Saigon Official, your page? What, what, like, what do you want to do with it? <sighs> I just want to be the best representation of what we did in America for the time that we had. Now that Vietnam is on such a platform going to the limits, I love, respect it. I see where they're going. and it's You're limitless. talking about Vietnam, Vietnam. Yes, mother country. You know what I mean? And to see how it is now such a player in the international stage, they are forming their own identity in a fucking huge way. Very different from ours, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Your key point is very different from ours. Now, how are we representing as Vietnamese American? How are we representing what we built as a culture and what we did here? How do you do that? How about how how do you tell the Vietnamese, you know, the Vietnamese that are American born, that now look to Vietnam like it's oh wow they're doing crazy stuff? No, we also did some cool shit. 
we can also represent it from from the west and the east. We can also be proud as a people together. Yeah. Because again, if it wasn't for this, it wouldn't be that. Let's talk about the hair and nail music. Okay. If there wasn't an immediate audience here that did it in a bad way, good way, whatever you want to call it, they did it. And now you can see what the standard is and what you can and cannot fix or preserve. So to me, and that's why I want to be proud of what we have and how we live. No matter if it's successful or not, we did it. I don't care if you surf, skate, you know, music, you're a writer, you're an artist, you're a tattoo artist, you're fucking, you, you did it. And what is failure and what is success? Okay, so I'm going to ask you a, a tricky question. Uh, we talk about this behind closed doors all the time, but just be aware it's like in public now. When you see the women's soccer team from Vietnam playing with that red flag and you are representing Little Saigon as a brand of subculture, which has nothing to do with politics or anything like that. Yes. How are guys like us, you and me, because we come from the same world. We come from parents who served in the South Vietnamese government, but we also have a connection to the homeland, but we are not from the homeland, uh, but we see the flag, this new flag that's very divisive in our culture, in our world. Like, how do we answer to the call of excitement and the call of like, wow, that's like happening on the world stage with the flag that does not represent us? How do you like translate all that shit? It's, it's a funny thing you just asked me that because like I was visiting my dad and he was watching volleyball. Right? And I asked my mom, how's, like, and every time in the last probably two months, he's been watching volleyball, the Vietnamese team. Hey, now. And I, I wanted to ask him so bad. Why don't you ask him? But he was cheering. Oh, shit. And he was so proud when they win. Okay? Oh, and, my God, I'm so glad we're talking about this. This and is I'm, great. And, and, it, and so I, I caught myself for like 10, 15 minutes just watching him watch the game. Yeah. And just trying to break down this this is a this is a man that was in South Vietnamese army, fled in nineteen seventy five, brought eight kids with him, his brought his dad, brought all his uncles in a small ass boat, and we made it here and there's a hatred for like I don't even think there's a hatred. There's a, there's there's like a um there's a struggle to find what it is, but like I never saw the hatred. Mm. I think he was he just dealt with the with the scenario. Yeah. Dealt with his own trauma. Yeah, because like you know, of course, you know, we're Catholics from the north. Yeah, that's a whole different set of drama. And then now, we made a mass exodus. Because, so, so now you're watching him watch volleyball from Vietnam. How does like? Why don't you ask him how he? No, feels? because I couldn't. Ask, this is the same question you're asking me. Like, how do? I'm proud too, and that's the same reason I'm. I'm telling you, I'm so proud of what Vietnam is doing. And but then I also have to be proud of what we're doing, or what we have done. Yes, and somewhere there's gonna be a commonality where I'm feeling right now. There has to be more and more like us that feels like I'm, you know, somehow we're connected more than you think, and more than you know. We have all this divide that we. I don't even. There is a real trauma and drama, but are we manufacturing the divide? Because the kids that grew up here doesn't see it because. 
How are you going to explain to a kid that wants to be proud to be Vietnamese, don't throw up this flag on the emoji? Yeah. I, I can't even, cause that, cause, There's no other emoji. And plus, that's, they're still proud of who they are. Why are you stopping them from being proud of being Vietnamese? That's the overall goal. Not being proud of the pol politics behind it, just being proud of what skin they're wearing. I, I see Vietnamese kids that are born here that do comedy shows, or I'm not going to name names, but there's there, there are things that they do that are like throwing up the red flag. And I'm like, eh, eh. nobody, uh, but nobody goes after them. Because, you know, plus they're ignorant to it. And plus the population of people that don't know the history. Don't give a fuck, fuck. anymore. No, it's now the kids outnumber the, you know, I'm not saying they're dying off. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't even say that. You know what I mean? But like, I know there's a lot of people waiting for that generation to die off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because... The hardliners and the people that just like, okay, we went through that. Where, when do we reconcile as, as, a, as a people? Okay, if there, is there two flags and two types? Man, bro, I don't think the people in Vietnam fucking care at all. I don't think people in Vietnam even think that we like that. that I don't even know if some of them even know that we exist, to be honest with you. I'm, not, I'm talking about the young generation. Of course they know we exist. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying... Probably don't give a fine fuck the way we care about this flag issue here in America. I, I, it's, it's just fun to talk about. At this point, it's not it's like I don't think awkward, it's anything anymore. Yeah, it's just awkward. Well, it's just what do you do? Like I said, you know, if I wanted to cheer, I want to throw up the Vietnam flag as as support. You know, and yeah, you're gonna get a backlash. But what other alternative do we have? Meaning, like, okay, you know, iPhone only has that flag. Yeah. That's the only emoji that, that represent it. But if you think about it, there is no governing body in the United States that is Vietnamese American, is a governing body, is a government that can say, okay, we this is the flag that we all should be flying. It's not like that. It's it's symbolic. To me, it it's symbolic in a way where what built us the true grit of how we started over what we built from nothing as so do we get the do we do we get the right to cheer for that new flag when when it comes on the tv screen and the women's volleyball teams playing well, let me soccer ask, teams playing let me ask you this can i ask somebody in the 90s from vietnam when they saw paris by night they saw us in the news and we were rocking Absolutely. the three stripes okay how do they are they proud or are they like fuck them they i don't think they See, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah. because why, we're their counterpart on the other side of the ocean, right? And they see, oh, wow, he made it to government. Oh, wow, he's a fighter pilot. He's a race car driver. You know what I mean? There's a sense of pride. Yes, and I'm, now it's reversed because now they're doing great things. Yeah. But yet, you know, we, everybody's continuing to do great things. But now, now switch that back to somebody who lived in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s when the, it wasn't this case right now. And... Now they're seeing Vietnamese Americans on TV, the world stage. World stage, you know, they're they're uh, they're re actually representing like like a good example when Kung Lee was MMA MMA, and, and you know, of course, he grew up in California. He's rocking the yellow the, the yellow flag. Yeah. Yes, that's a whole different subject. That that's you know, but how many guys in other countries felt holy shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, my man made it. That's look at what he's rocking. Now everybody knows what that flag is. It's fucking Vietnamese. As, at the end of the day, all I care about is Vietnamese. 
If you ask me what it's about, it's about Vietnamese. Not about the politics, about religion of anything, about the cult of anything. Okay, if you sign up for that, cool, that's you. I sign up, I mean another guy that he can be proud of who he is, I can be proud of who I am, we fucking still can have a beer. Yeah. We can still go out, have some fucking smoke, and be cool, you know what I mean? And it's, it's just the politics. I, I wonder the brand Little Saigon, uh, from your perspective today into the future, how much of it, and, and obviously you don't know, I don't know. I'm just asking out loud, like, the interesting part is how much of it will be influenced by the newcomers that are coming from Vietnam you know, this idea of Little Saigon being a growing ev evolution of, of, of Vietnamese culture. There's going to be new blood, new inputs from the homeland that comes here, you know, and, it, and, and it'll shift. I wonder what that sixth decade will look like, right? 60 years in, we are now like part of the homeland that are sending people as immigrants here to work at the restaurants, to work in universities, to be professors you see it all the time now and i love it yeah i truly i just embrace embrace if i can be the host for them and they reach out for me to host absolutely yeah come join come here show me your culture and see what you can do from there and here and here to there and and, there's, and, and they're starting to come more like yes. the different diplomats and delegates they come you know, in the dark of the night still, but they come. You hear it from, like, all of mm -hmm. our friends, like... I know, I see. Uh, yeah. Uh. The delegation comes, and then they get invited to... They get invited to American events. Absolutely. You know? Like in Oregon. Like, they get invited by the governor of Oregon to come in to do business, to do work. That idea of reconciliation is way gone. It's like, there's no... It's reconciliation, reconciliation in our heads. It's not with the gov. It's not the government level anymore. No. That's done. Like they're already doing business 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, it's it's, it's just us, our our families. Our families are tripping about the idea of reconciling and not letting the young generation go back to Vietnam. Yeah, but then again, you know, government change hands every two to four years. There's a different person that's taking the reins of what the last person left. In the U.S. Yeah, in the yeah. U.S. So that person doing it now, inviting, is it for commercial capitalism? Yeah, for sure, 100%. Okay, so that's a whole different mindset. Yeah. If you ask a general or somebody that's part of the war, that's now part of the government receiving that, ask him. Yeah, totally okay. different. It's okay. all relevant. Yeah, relevant. but yeah. now if you ask the, the next generations of politicians and business owners that doesn't have any effect from that or it has any residual effect from it, you can't ask them. Yeah. They don't give two shits. It's like, hey, what's the contract we need to do here? How am I going to host these guys so they can now invest in building a fucking factory right here? Yep. And that is happening yeah. daily for the last who, 10 years. Yeah. Let's who, who can be trading partners with yeah. us. Okay. Yeah. Because why? Life goes on. Right? And I hate to discount like that, but they moved on that way for financial reasons, whatever they, the case might be. You but you, you see a lot of this shit play out in OC, in Little Saigon, but does it, does it have legs? Did the anti-Vietnam you know, anti government people here in Little Saigon have, uh, have legs? I'm not going to see this. I'm not going to speak to the strength and the delusion of it or like uh, illusion or just whatever. Because I've seen hardliner, I mean, let's call them far to one side yeah, yeah. versus the extreme. The, the extreme was okay. The extreme turns people off. 
Okay. Yes, your 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 points are very valid. Yes, you have something to stand on. But man, these are different times. This was in 40, 50 years ago. And do you want us to harbor that same? That there are young people who are fighting to 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 bring the South Vietnam's Republic government into legitimacy. I've I've witnessed it, and I've you know, heard chatter about it, but I just... it's insane. And I'm like, well, no, it's not insane. Let's take that back. It's not insane. They have this, they have this uh, point of view where they they say democracy and they say all of these things that the Western, you know, the United States, what we possess in our government. They want in the government of Vietnam, but I'm like the cultures are different. That's not how we are set up in Vietnam. You know what? It's just like there's most of us are just capitalists. You know, it's capitalism at its best, right? And like again, they're more into the politics of it. And I'm not saying I know anything they're doing. Whatever the reason for, that drives them, great. You know, their passion. Their, you know, they might have deep family rooted history about it. And yeah, and you can't change them. There's no way, you know, like somebody told me when I had the discussions, like changing your Holocaust survivor attitude towards another person, they can tolerate it. It's done. But do you take away what happened? Yeah. Do yeah. you, and if you talk directly, put two of them that were there together in a room, what would happen? I don't know. You know what I mean? But do you take it away and say, Hey, it's not a big deal. Move on. Fucker. Stop treading on the past. I can't say that either. Yeah. But I have to respect all aspects of it. And there's a conversation of like, yeah, overall, our mindset was unification. One Vietnam, get the foreigners out. That That's there, but yet on the same side of that subject, but on different sides of another. So there's commonality in a lot of things, but it's just, there's sides. If you talk about overlap, if you break it down to what was like the benefit, you know, like what everybody was rooting for, it might be the same damn thing. Yeah. Better lives. That's all we really want. Better lives. Better lives. We just want better lives. And to be our own people. Now, where do you want to take Little Saigon Official as a brand? Where do you see it in the next few years? Little Saigon Official is, is a representation, okay? Because I have no right to say that Little Saigon is me. I did this to make, to solidify Little Saigon as a place. Yeah. Okay, as an identifiable brand. And it's not mine. It's my cultures. It's my people. It's the people that... But, you, but you're curating it. So you have some sort of artistic vision that, that you're responsible for. Correct. I, and I want to do this to invite others that will have a different vision mm. or a different angle. And that way, we can now all share what how... It, yeah, richer. Yes, yeah. because how they grew up is not how I grew up. What they did is not what I did, but yet they contributed in a different way. Mm. And I'm, I'm here to find out how. In, in what ways? Can you point out some of the ways that they've, these, a different point of view has contributed to your sense of what you have traditionally thought of as Little Saigon? Can you say, oh yeah, this one time I met this person and they changed my mind about the culture of Little Saigon? Yeah, well, let's, let's go back to, uh, let's, let's start at the 90s. So I was part of this uh, import scene back in... Car import. Yes, import tuners. So in 1992, we, we, we loved cars. We started, you know, uh, when everybody's doing car stereos and, you know, doing... A lot of the Asians emulated what the Chicano style is. They were low riding. 
were buying wires, KMCs, you know, big wheels. A lot of guys had Suzuki Samurais, Nissan Sentras with wide rims, you know, spokes, you know, McLean's, Dayton's, you know, Zenith's, you know what I mean? They were rocking that. And then I saw some import stuff. They were taking beat up Civics, fixing them up. Now it's like, holy shit, you know, and I, and I saw this in, in LA when I was down there. And actually in this area, in Monterey Park, San Gabriel Valley, right? I was like, holy shit, this is, you know, and then we started building those type of cars. We started lowering it in different ways, putting, and then we connected with this area and was part of a, a group called Wicked Racing. And we had a shop called Speed Image and that's where we changed the car culture. We loved everything about cars, but that wasn't our, our identifier. The, the the Mexicans in our areas, the blacks, they had their low riders. I, I love low riders, but that wasn't us. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying the tuner movement or what people now say, rice rockets, we didn't create it, but we embraced it. And people don't know, there was a couple of Vietnamese guys that are on the world stage on that, that scene where they broke world record for going quarter mile speeds. And these are guys that barely spoke English. They just got to America in the mid-80s. All of a sudden, five, six years later, now they're drag racing in the middle of the street and at, on the track. Holy fuck. Mm. And one of the guys I talked to, I go, I go, how'd you get, you know, like, you know, just the boys, you know, I've met him, and he's, he's the one that tunes everything for me. He started out racing mopeds in Saigon. In the middle of the night, he told me, like, when everything shuts down, him and his gang of moped guys, they just souped up mopeds and just raced all around Saigon because there's no, no cars on the street and nobody can catch them. Yeah. So he brought, him and two guys brought that here and now they're doing it with Hondas. Because why well, remember, every motorcycle in, in, in Asia is called a fucking Honda. <laughs> right? Yep. They refer to that to That was the only brand yeah. in the 70s, maybe. Well, there was uh, Vespas, but you know, Vespas were different. Yeah. It was a different... But, you know, you refer to a motorcycle like as a Honda. Honda. Yeah. So I know it's, it's a stupid story, but this guy started building high-powered, horsepower fucking Civics. He built my car 380 horsepower in 1993, 94. You know how fast a 300-something horsepower Civic is for that era? Holy shit. And then from there, we just tackled on every street race there was. We went to Ontario, you know, Silmar, Long Beach. There was there used to be a race uh, track in Long Beach called um, Terminal Island. That's where I first started. Well, why why has the the culture died down? As you're telling me all this, I'm like, the car it's weird. culture it's not yeah. around anymore. Yes, you remember the time in the '90s where you couldn't go into into Bosa without hearing exhaust or system yeah. really loud, loud every corner, yeah. every what, light what to light. What made it die out? I think people had, uh, they did better for themselves. They had better cars. You know, people were, you know, you see the, all the Euros, they're buying European, they're buying luxury, you know, and they're fixing it up in a way it's more classier. They moved away from the import, you know, like, oh, it's a Honda. Street. You know I mean? Yeah. So all that was, you know, you know, we're very status type of mm. community. Okay, let's call it that, you know what I mean? Yep, yep. And so, you know, we always want, you know, when you, you had a Timex, now you want a Rolex, you know what I mean? That's just it. That's it. And we just moved on. Now they got McLarens. They got Lambos. They got Porsches. Okay. And what we started out with was not wasn't the case. You know what I mean? 
We wanted to build a fast car. We wanted to have a car that's different. We wanted to modify. See, I live in a society, in my own little circle, we modified the fuck out of everything. And that's, when I say that, that's what I mean by like car stereos, yeah. cars, body art, okay, clothing. Anything that we can modify, that's why even in the computer age, okay, the guys that bootleg all the CDs, they modified all the CD writers. Yeah. Now they can record 100 at a time. Okay, so let me tell you, we modify the fuck out of everything. And we're going to continue to modify it because why? I don't like certain things the way it is. Yeah, sure, it ain't broken, but I don't need to fix it. I'm just going to change it. No, no, you definitely embody the idea of modifying like your shirts, your t-shirts, like Café Dumont. <laughs> yeah. Can we say that? Uh, Duma. Yeah. Café yeah. Dumont. Yeah, of it's, course say it. We it, say it every day. Duma. <laughs> it's the, uh, it's the uh, yellow, it's the yellow coffee mug out of New Orleans. And that's like, ironically, not even a French brand, is it? Or is it an American brand with a French name? It's a French-influenced brand. So, I mean, they were what, for some reason, nobody's talking about the Asian Cajun that came from New Orleans. They, they, the Trek back in the day as immigrants, remember, there's a lot of like trans, you know, a lot of people resettling, right? People resettled in Missouri, Minnesota, Boston. You know, Louis Island could have been anywhere in this U.S. New Orleans had a huge Vietnamese population. Okay, but it wasn't, they didn't have that cohesive, they, they had a couple big communities, but they didn't have a shopping area that just clustered around themselves to make it like that. But did, did they do crazy things? Hell yeah. That's why Texas is blowing up. A lot of influence from New Orleans, not influence from California, but Texas always held their own. But now you have influx of a lot of different, you know, let's call it Vietnamese culture from different places now contributing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so if you're asking me, there was a lot, the Cafe Duman, du that was our only connection to how to make the most accurate Vietnamese iced coffee we could. And did we do it? And did we put it on the map? Absolutely. Look at our coffee culture now. There was a time where if you told somebody you drank iced coffee, they look at you twisted. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. For we, you we, young we kids right there. Iced coffee was not a thing in the fucking 90s, okay? You go to order iced coffee in an American place, they would just like laugh you, laugh at you. and just like, Or you tell them you put condensed milk in your coffee. They'd like, think, what, what the yeah, fuck, fuck? Yeah. you weirdos, yeah. right? That was non-existent. Okay, so did we make iced coffee a thing? I, we can't, I can't say that. But were we one of the few cultures that absolutely drank iced coffee? Yes, we drank it from day one. We found a way to make that iced coffee the best we can for what we had. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and did it become a thing? That's a huge thing. Okay, so I don't know who to credit to it, but I'm just going to tell you, like, when I used to order iced coffee in the 90s, they would be like, you're fucking weirdo, dude. You drink coffee piping hot. There's no ice. It's like right now, I drink beer with ice. Okay, 10 years ago, if I... <laughs> yeah, it's true. Okay, I, I love beer in a bucket of ice, all right? And I can drink all night, be social, still hydrate, still get my water in there. But I actually enjoy it. I used to laugh at it, don't get me, don't get me wrong, because other people laughed at it. Come on, tell me another culture that drinks beer in ice. 
Yeah, Vietnam is the place. And okay. that's a, a necessity. You have to keep the beer cold. You have to put ice in it or it'll get, it'll get warm very quickly. Yeah, and you come back here and you, you know, uh, your other friends like, man, you know, Vietnamese drink beer, ice with their beer. I go, no, not all, but we, I, I do like it. You we go can and, do it, yeah. Yeah, because you go to Wang Yao, half the tables, they're just filling ice for you. Yeah. And I love it. But is it weird? Yeah, other people consider it weird. So iced coffee was considered weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now it's a common thing. It's a fucking common thing. So I don't know who to credit that, but who made it popular? You know what I mean? It's huge. It's huge. It's a huge thing. I love it. You know what I mean? So so what's the future look like for Little Saigon Official? The future is very... The future is what our community brings it because I pivot the way I see it. Mm. If... A lot of the terms I'm going to be using, a lot of design cues, a lot of things that I do, I think you probably know there's not an identifiable branding for me. Right. And I questioned that with you in the beginning. I was like, oh, it's kind of everything, right? Yep. That's your answer to the future. Yeah. But but don't you think, though, um, perhaps having a cohesive brand guide with you know its own colorways its own specific details in the brand guide is a benefit to the little saigon official or any brand or do you think keeping it open the way you you are keeping it open is better for the business no what you said is actually better for it identifiable brands uh, you know you know your core colors some that's identifiable absolutely but then again i met so many people that represent Different blocks, yeah. As Vietnamese. Vietnamese, yeah. And so I didn't want to do that. And that's why you notice the logo is done three different ways. Yeah, yeah. The signage is done many different ways. Because why I want it to be done many different ways. I want the next guy to bang out a, a different type of font. I want the next one to represent what's currently happening. If it's just the music scene shifting, cool. You know what I mean? But as far as I, am I going to get a solidified logo mm-hmm. and... Is that going to be the identifier? No. 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 Interesting. Okay. Because why? You can see this. It's different from the last thing I wore. Yeah. And you saw somebody else's jacket's 100% different. Yep. But but again, they know it came from the same place, Little Saigon. So I I want the next guy to design it and come in to the party also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And because my real brand is called Fall and Rise. And you know that, but I don't chant. I don't promote that. Why not? I'm not very comfortable with the messaging yet, meaning like, because it stands for the fall of Saigon, the rise of little Saigon, okay? Whenever I say that, everybody, there's always a different take on it. Gets political. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, okay, let me take far. But for me, it just stands for how we risen as a culture, Yeah. okay? And I love how it's just fall and rise far and beyond. And that's all I want to do is take us to the next stage of however we evolve. So, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but at the same time, I do want to ask you if Fall and Rise is something that you look back and you go, you know what, maybe I could have changed the name or even Absolutely. now. Yeah, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I appreciate the honesty, man. But I got it from an old saying. And I don't know, whoever whispered that in my ear, thank you. Um, it was like a Japanese quote saying, Fall down seven times, rise up eight. Okay? Just really never fucking give up. So it doesn't have to be political. Mm. It just has to send a message like, you know what I mean? I went, I went broke 
couple dozen times. But I don't stop. I don't care about the pride of not of failing, of not not yeah. I had a nice car, now I drive a jalopy. I had a home, I lost it, now I'm in an apartment, I'm renting a room. Who gives a shit? You so know the mean? messaging is not political at all. No. The messaging is just really about falling yeah resilience that's all it is and i think that's in the vietnamese culture you know if you take the political shit out it's still a very resilient culture and that's what makes it hard for us to see eye to eye because we're very proudful resilient people that will stand our ground and do things right but having that stubborn mentality and attitude it's very hard to do things also but it it to me it speaks true of how vietnam as the country has been resilient and building what they got and rising yeah it also speaks to us as Amer- as you know, Asian American, what we built when we got here with nothing, and we risen on that yeah. platform. So, it's not a political message at all. It's about having true grit, being resilient, and fall a few times, but get the fuck back up. Yeah, rise, rise. Where can we find your merch? I have been blessed enough to have it in. The Asian Garden Mall, where I find is the most iconic symbol for yeah. us as people from Little Saigon. But can we get it online? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Little Saigon, it, we have a link on our Instagram page after um, Little Saigon Official. We also have Little Saigon CA, which just stands for California, the, the originality of it. Yeah. Okay. So on, on your Little Saigon Instagram page, it's not just... Um, your merch it's no. like what what what's actually on it what can people find on it i just i i love humor yeah i love satire i love and you know a lot of people try to send me stuff about you know politics and you know drama and horrors and stuff like you know shootouts and stuff like that i don't do all that mm. you know what i mean let's highlight the the and i'm not trying to shade it or hide it at yeah. all but i like good times and smiles yeah. yeah okay you know laughing heels and i'd rather laugh with somebody than talk about like you know that's you know, I, not that I'm hiding from it, but I'd rather have a good time. Yeah, that makes sense. And you it know, shows up. Yeah, and I'd rather you know, let's just fucking smoke a joint, drink a beer, and fucking have a couple of cigarettes. You know what I mean? Have a good time and have a good time, good laugh until yeah. your neighbors tell you shut the fuck up, keep mm-hmm. it down. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. that does happen. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for coming on today, man. Is there anything else you want to share? Man, I just I just want to share our culture to the world. So if you're asking what to share, let's just share us. Yeah. Okay. And what you're doing is important because you're sharing. And I'm on the I'm I'm really riding on your 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 tailcoats about this. And I I tell you time and time again, what you do has actually changed my mindset, changed my direction. I've pivoted because I've listened to your podcast. I've pivoted because I listened to your guests. And I believe the next generation and the current generation should see who has done these great things. And when I say great things, it's not about money. It's about where, they, where they're positioned are, how they got there, how they formulate this thought process to be this. It's fucking amazing. Okay, so you have amazing guests. And like I said, you know, you know how they made their fortune, their wealth and their success, to me, it all accumulates to one thing. They didn't stop doing shit. Yeah, yeah. Just do shit, motherfuckers. Just go out and do it. That's all I'm telling. Like I was telling this guy, let's not overthink shit and just do it. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for not overthinking it and coming up to LA today to to record this. You know, we've been trying to get this going on for months and we finally did it. Thank you so much. Oh no, man. Thank you for allowing me to speak on here, man. So thank thank you for the kind words. And also thank you 
for the support that you've shown community members that have reached out to me and I refer them to you and you put them on blast on your page. That's very giving and, and very, you know, it's in line with what you say. Yeah, we just have to keep exposing and preserving our history and just making more history. Yeah. Creating more things, creating more memories, creating more moments, creating more trends. Let's just do this shit. Yeah. Modify this. Thanks once again, Chris. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast. <laughs>